You've been sold the idea that financial independence is all about some number on your account statement, or even worse, that you don't qualify because of where you started out. That's just not true. It's not about some well-kept secret of the wealthy. It's about finding the right information and knowing how to apply it. On the Get Ready for the Future show, we're answering your questions so you can start making real financial change today. The journey to true financial independence begins right here, and it starts with you. Ready to answer your questions about financial independence so you can discover, protect, and share true financial independence. Get Ready for the Future show. John Shrewsbury, Janet Walker in, once again, this is getting to be routine. It, it is. You know, if we had done this on Halloween, it might have been the John and John show, though. Well, we're not talking about that. <laughs> <clears throat> we're just not talking about that. Okay. We're moving on. All right. We're going to move on. It was a great you Halloween. You tried though. to impersonate me. You can, couldn't pull it off. So. Oh, it was pretty fabulous. But we're, right. that's actually not what we're here to discuss today. No, it is not. We got questions on financial independence. We got questions on retirement investments, your money. And we want to invite you into the mix. If you've got a question, you can certainly text us at 501-381-5228, or you can call that same number, 501-381-5228, and leave us a voicemail, and we'll even use your voice on the air. If you've got questions about anything financial, we will take it on here at the Get Ready for the Future show. You ready to dive right in? Yeah. All right, let's go to uh, a question that comes from Christina in Cabot. Christina writes, I am 56, planning to retire around 61. I have no debt other than my mortgage, and I'm maxing out catch-up contributions. That's catch-up contributions, not the stuff that you put on the hamburger, you know. (laughs) Uh, I am wanting to move to a cabin in the mountains, maybe Colorado. I don't have any other major plans for retirement, but I want to live comfortably and leave a good inheritance for my family. What should my strategy be? Janet, uh, you know, this sounds like just about anybody that uh, has a dream about retirement. They'd like to move somewhere where they they love the environment. Now, I'm not much for Colorado, but I would be for the beach. Yeah, yeah, you get too cold too fast. Yeah, but just like Christina from Cabot, everybody wants to know the answer to this question. Well, and, and first of all, Christina, congratulations to you on not having any debt outside of the mortgage. That means that you are, are on a good path to prepare yourself for retirement. But there are a few questions. If we were sitting down together, there are several questions that I would ask you. Like, first of all, let's talk about what type of cabin that we're, we're saying here. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, recently, I, I ran a half marathon in the Smokies, and we got a little cabin. Like, it was a one-room plus a bathroom cabin and like everything else was in that one room, um, and it didn't even have a dishwasher. Nope, I'm the, out. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, right? Um, and then there are other cabins that like have indoor swimming pools. So when you say, I want a cabin in the mountains, like what type of cabin are we talking about in terms of the financial commitment? And would you be able to utilize, let's say, the equity from your home? Are you going to keep your existing home or are you gonna uh, you gonna sell it? Or are you gonna turn it into an income stream? What does that really look like? Oftentimes, people will use the existing home, uh, go find the the uh, environment that they want to be in, the, yeah. the cabin, the the beach house, whatever the case may be, and then they'll they'll flip the equity from their existing home by selling it and putting that into the new home, and then do the financing on it to have a a lower no payment. 
sometimes if that happens. And so that's certainly something that that she wants to take a look at as far as the residents is yeah. concerned. Well, and another possibility for the cabin, I think my question would, would also be, do you plan to live there all the time? Like, is this your full-time home in retirement? And if not, is it possible for you to create an income stream out of the cabin, like maybe a Verbo or Airbnb? And we're, we're not recommending those things necessarily, but it's important to just think through all of those with reference to the home Uh, that you already have and to the cabin. I'm going to go to a completely different uh, part of the financial equation here because Christina really needs to understand uh, where her income is going to come from. Uh, She doesn't really talk a lot about uh, her investment uh, strategy other than she's maxing out her catch-up contributions. That's a good thing. But I think you need probably some more in-depth planning on this, Christina, because uh, to, to me, it is really all about the accumulation of assets to a spot where those assets can be turned into income. Right. And then you've got to look at all the whole spectrum of income that's available to you. So think about what do you have to have coming in on a monthly basis? And frankly, John, a lot of people really don't even know how to answer that question. They yep. have money in, money out every month. And and it, it just happens, and they're not sitting down and thinking about what is the dollar amount that I must have to cover food, shelter, clothing, transportation, those necessities of life. And when you say things like transportation or shelter, think about insurance for your vehicle and for your home. So all of those things, if you know that you're going to have those expenses then you need to know that you have that income. So maybe that comes from, maybe you're blessed to have a pension. Um, You'll have probably some social security coming in. Those are guaranteed income sources that you can utilize and know that they're going to be there to meet your required expenses. If you have a gap, then there's some additional planning that needs to be done just to cover, John, the required expenses, not to mention desired on top of that. Yeah, you've got to work through this income thing and know kind of where you're you're going with that. And then what is the probability of you being able to leave a good inheritance mm-hmm. from the resources that are producing that income? If you can set that up where it's a pretty good uh, shot at you being able to do that, then you probably don't need any insurance. But I think that insurance is becoming more and more of a viable option for leaving a legacy Mm -hmm. because of what's happened with uh, the regulatory structure on the SECURE Act and the taxation of IRA money. Uh, that would go to the next generation. Well, and that may be relevant, Christina, for you, because when you talk about maxing out your catch-up contributions, I don't know if you're doing those in pre- or post-tax dollars inside of your retirement plan, but at least whatever match you're getting, I know, is pre-tax money. And so when you look at the tax impact of your heirs receiving this, assuming that we're talking about it going to the next generation rather than a spouse, When you talk about it going to the next generation, that 10-year restriction that they have where they have to expose that money to taxes and get it out of the IRA within the 10-year time period, that can have, as John was referencing there, a pretty significant impact. And so insurance might be something for you to consider to help on that end. And then also, I would question, you know, part of your, your question here, Christina, it says, I want to live comfortably and leave a good inheritance for my family. What should my strategy be? I would ask you, what does living comfortably mean to you, and what does a good inheritance mean? Because, John, over our careers, 
we have seen an incredibly wide range on what individual families would consider a good inheritance, any dollar amount. You know, many times people will come in, we've had a lot of baby boomers come in over the years and say, you know what, uh, if I leave them $5,000 a piece, that's $5,000 more than what I got when, when, you know, my parents passed. Right. And then in other cases, there are literally millions of dollars. Yeah, and there's there's a sentiment uh, sometimes that, uh, hey, look, I, I raised them, I gave them a good education, they, they're making their own way. I don't need to worry about a, a dollar amount inheritance to them. But I think that a good inheritance begins with a financial education for the next generation. And we've got a resource that we want to point you to, uh, and anybody can go and do this, but Christina in particular, if you go to our Talking Sense podcast, just search for it wherever you get your podcast, uh, look for Talking Sense, and go to episode 116. It is Inheritance Basics, uh, What You Should Know. And so if you search that out, you'll get a good podcast on inheritance. But Janet, I think it's a great opportunity to actually point uh, some of our listeners toward a workshop that we've got coming up yes. next week in Conway. Uh, there is a workshop, How to Protect Your Family Through Estate Planning. Uh, Chris Rippey, a Conway attorney, is going to be the special guest speaker for this. This is coming up on Tuesday, November 7th at 6.30 at the Max Event Venue in Conway. It's absolutely free of charge. Go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash estate planning. Or you can text the word estate to 501-381-5228. That's 501-381-5228. And uh, you can head up that estate planning workshop free of charge. But uh, Christina might want to check that out since she's in Cabot. Yeah. She could just hop over to Conway and make that happen. But but literally, it could be a, a, a life-changing situation yeah. for her to be able to participate in that as well as other folks. Absolutely worth checking it out. Okay, John, this just in. Here we go. Just in. YouTube comment uh, on live stream that we've got. This says, if I have maxed out my retirement accounts and still wish to save, should I open a brokerage account or should I consider something safer like CDs paying 5% right now and open an account when rates fall? Hey, uh, you know, there is nothing wrong with a 5% CD unless you have a long-term perspective on the money. Right. So if you are maxing out your retirement accounts uh, and this money that you're saving is for retirement, depending on your age, you probably don't want to go to a CD. Now, why would I say that you don't want to go to a CD? Nothing wrong with CDs, definitely. But here's the key. You've got to think about the big picture and what you're trying to accomplish. And if you're going to overcome inflation then in, the CD is not going to do that. CDs are, are uh, somewhat, uh, in recent past, abnormally high, but they're about where they have been for a long period of time. But CDs have never been something to outstrip inflation, to keep you ahead of inflation. Here's, here's the deal, uh, and this question comes from Peter. So, Peter, let's talk about this. If you had $100 in a CD and it makes 5% over the next year, then a year from now you're going to have $105 and you feel that's important, you feel like you have made ground on this because you have more dollars than you had a year ago. But there's somebody who's going to want a piece of that $5 that you made, and that's the feds and the state. So we've got state and federal taxes to pay. Let's say, and I have no idea which tax bracket is, but let's combine state and federal, and let's say for easy math that you're paying 40% combined on taxes 
40% of your $5 is $2. So now you have $103. And I, I'm running a little bit blind right now on what the exact current inflation rate is. Yeah, let's call it um, between 4 and 5%. So I, we'll even go conservatively on this and say 4%. Now you're down to $103. So you've made 3% net after taxes. But if inflation is 4 then you have the purchasing power of $99. So again, it, CDs have, it, it, it's okay for your, your safe money, the money that you're going to need short term. We use things personally like money markets and those types of things that are not going to give us a tremendous amount of return. But you've got to understand that you're not going to move forward with that. You'll feel like you are, but you're really not. You have to understand the game you're playing, kind of keep ahead of inflation and taxes and that type of thing. Peter, thank you for jumping on the live stream and uh, giving us that uh, comment on uh, on the uh, YouTube channel. Uh, the question of the day we're, is what uh, is what we're going to tag Peter with here because yeah. he's actually going to get a Gen Wealth Tumblr. Yes. A get Ready for the Future Show Tumblr. Just, uh, we appreciate you getting on and give us, giving us a question during the show. So, Peter, uh, we will contact you here and be able to get in touch with you as far as uh, getting information on how to get that Tumblr out to you. Thanks so much. Actually, uh, Peter, if you'll just email us your contact information at show at getreadyforthefuture.com, our folks will handle it in the back. All right, let's uh, move on. Let's go to Grant from Fayetteville, who also writes, my family lost my dad this past year. I'm sorry about that. That's that's a tough thing to, to start off with. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, dealing with some of the outflow of that is, is where Grant is going here. He says, my mom is feeling super overwhelmed with the process of shifting through, uh, I'm sorry, sifting through their finances. And even though I'm doing my best to step in and help, these decisions all just feel a little rushed. What options do I have? What do I need to do to help my family work through the financial matters while we're all Still grieving. That from Grant in Fayetteville. Again, Grant, our, our condolences to you and your family uh, on the loss of your dad. Janet, first things first, what needs to be done? So I think that is the question is you've got to ask yourself what has to be done. There are a lot of things that maybe should be done and need to be done at some point, but what has to be done short term? And really, you've got you've got to make sure that there is continued income for your mom. And think about things like Uh, If your dad had a Social Security income, that income has been stopped. Does mom need to have more income replaced from other sources? So solve for what mom's income need is in this short-term time period for the immediate need. And then also, uh, kind of just on this cash flow conversation, be sure that whatever bills were being paid and, and need to be paid continue to be paid. Think about what might have been automated um, if, if there were things that dad knew to pay that mom may or may not even know that he was handling and didn't even think about them, those are the things that need to be done in the short term. The next step beyond that is to take a breather and just go, okay, we have handled the immediate and urgent needs and then take a deep breath, and you've got a little bit of time to look at some of these other questions that we're going to walk through next. Janet, I think it's really important to draw a very clear distinction between the uh, making some financial moves in the immediate to, to take care of that income mm-hmm. and not doing something that's going to you know negatively affect you long term. Because you always hear people say, you know, this off the street advice, uh, don't do anything for six months. 
Well, so that's just you have not, to do something. Yeah, that's just not yeah. practical with a lot of people, especially yeah. if they're retired. There's a retirement account in his name. You got to get it out of his name so you can continue to get mm-hmm. income mm-hmm. from that. There's there are some things that are in the immediate. So uh, again, most of these rules of thumb we call them rules of dumb around here because it's just dumb. Yeah, you can't do that. But what I think they're thinking about is. Don't make major decisions about selling the house or this or that. There's a lot of different things that you probably ought to take some time to get over the hurt and then make mm-hmm. a clear-minded decision. Since it was your dad who passed away and your mom who is surviving, let me let me talk about this from a female perspective as far as the house is concerned. I cannot tell you how many times in my career I've had a, a widow sit across the table from me and go, I have to pay off the house. I just, I have to know. It's it's a security blanket thing. That's exactly what it is. I have to know that I'm safe, that I have a place to live. Even though he's gone, I have to know that this is okay. And I don't, you know, there may not have even been any life insurance on your dad or there, the house may be paid for. I don't know if this is even a point of discussion in your family. But if it is, that's something that you need to hold on because what we have seen people do is in a panic, they pay off the house when really they had the means to utilize their their resources to make the payment on the house and they didn't have to pay it off. When you pay something off lump sum like that, you're losing the future power of that entire pool of assets. And if it's taxable money, you're paying taxes on it and losing the, the future power of that. So it is all really about the income stream in the short term. Janet, I think a, a great piece of advice here is to bring in a third party, a trusted third party, a financial advisor, a CPA, uh, maybe an estate planning attorney, maybe all three to work mm-hmm. together on this on this strategy and also bring in your family. This needs to be something where everybody kind of rallies to help. And and you can can get too many cooks in the kitchen. But if you kind of appoint someone as the leader or the yeah. orchestrator, then all the parties can work together to come up with a reasonable solution that really everybody's satisfied I, with. I'll tell you, in my family, uh, it's, it's just me and my brother and my mom. My dad uh, passed away several years ago. And uh, when when the time comes when something happens to mom in the future, Um, obviously just because of what I do for a living, I'm the financial point person, but I will tell you this, I will need my brother to do a lot of the other things and to be aware of what we're doing financially. We've got to be in good communication there. So that's just really important to bring them in. And then I would also encourage you to begin having estate planning conversations with your mom, um, whether there has been any estate planning done already or not. Um, if it has been done, it probably needs to be updated now in the absence of your dad. If it hasn't been done, then it's definitely time so that that transition from one generation to the next is smoother than what it would be otherwise. So I, I would encourage you to uh, maybe you can text uh, estate to the number 5013815228 if you would like to join us at the upcoming event that we have in Conway that John mentioned earlier. This is on Tuesday, November 7th at 6.30 p.m at the max event venue in Conway. There's no cost, but you do have to register. So get ready for the future.com forward slash estate planning. You can register there or you can text the word estate to 501-381-5228. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. We're dealing with uh, questions on financial independence and helping you to discover, protect, and share true financial independence. 
Let's go to our next question, Janet. This is Todd from Little Rock. Todd is 63 years old with $675,000 in assets. He asks, what questions should I be asking a financial advisor as I plan to retire soon? Well, Todd, I think that the first question is, how soon can we meet? Uh, because I think that, the, that it is important that you get in front of a trusted financial advisor to craft something very specific. It's not an investment plan. Mm -hmm. It is a retirement income plan. That is a completely different critter. It does involve investments, but it is way more than just investments. So very much like what we talked about with the last question, it's all a question of what your income needs are and what those resources are. And so if you're just looking at, okay, I have $675,000, what investment products do I need to utilize? That's not a retirement income plan. So it really is very critical for you to understand where is my income going to come from? Where, it's go where is it going to come from for the, for the first five years, the next five, the next five, et cetera, through and beyond your life expectancy and also addressing the question of any legacy desires that you might have. So it's not so much what should I be asking my financial advisor. It is what we should together be working toward. And right. I think the number one thing is income replacement. And when we think about income replacement, we think about it in two strata of income. One is your required income. What do you need to come in every month to cover your basic living expenses? Food, clothing, transportation, shelter, taxes, insurance, medical care. Those things are never going away, regardless of how long you work or how, how soon you retire are how long you live. Those things are going to be around forever. And so you need a forever plan to have income to cover those expenses. That's the first strata. The second strata is what we call desired income. What are the things you want to do? What are the things that you've thought about in retirement? Do you want that cabin in Colorado? Do you want right. to uh, do some travel? Do you have a big agenda for the grandkids? All of those things are incredibly important to take care of, but they are not as important as that foundational required income. And that should be job number one with both the financial advisor and Todd from Little Rock. I think it's also important, Todd, when you're talking with an advisor for you to understand what their focus is. Are they focused on just investments or on the probability of something, you know, providing X percent rate of return, whatever it might be? What are they focused on? Is it those probabilities or is it the safety of your income? Because you have to know that that's going to be there for you. Yeah, here's the question that I would ask. If you got on a plane out at Little Rock National and the pilot got on the speaker and said, we have a 92% chance of arriving at our destination safely, would you be getting off the plane or would you be okay to sit there and, and take your shot? Most people would be like, nope, I, I don't need that kind of uncertainty in my life. I am, I'm off this plane. But there is a regular process that goes on in our industry, Janet, of people having, uh, delivering probabilities to people yeah. and them going, I don't know that I'm comfortable with that. Here's the deal. 92% probability of success sounds great if you're buying a lottery ticket. It sounds life-threatening. If it's whether the plane is going to stay in the air or crash. Or whether you're going to run out of money. Yeah, exactly. So th that's my point here. This is your your question about the probability of success in retirement is much more closely akin to the probability of the plane staying in the air 
uh, than it is to the probability of winning the lottery. In other words, it is a big, big deal if it doesn't go well for you. I think the uh, questions back to to uh, Todd's uh, question to us, I think there are some questions you ought to poke on if your advisor is not doing this. Mm-hmm. Talk about a social security strategy. And if they look at you kind of funny, then you probably don't have the right advisor. You know, the Still, John, even though we've been talking about this for such a long time on the air, we still have so many people who walk in the door for their initial consultation with an advisor, and they come in with his and hers social security statements, which that's fine. We need you to bring that. But they come in also with the perception that they have his benefits and they have her benefits and that there is no way that the two of them work together in any way because you don't ever get a report about, and oh, by the way, your spouse has this, and so if you look at this together as a household, it can look very different. You just get, if you retire at 62, if you retire at your full retirement age, if you retire at 70, then what does your income individually look like? This is the one I love. Uh, She's got hers, and she's probably going to take hers when she's 62, but I'm probably not going to take mine until I'm 70. Well, that might or might not be the right thing. Mm-hmm. But people come in with these preconceived ideas just based on how they feel about it. You know, the feelings can really betray you. And that's not what you want in a, in a situation where you're trying to figure out income for the rest of your life. It's a big freaking deal to get this right. And so Social Security strategy, out of the ordinary future expenses, what are the things we're going to spend money on in a big ticket item way? Uh, And how are we going to provide for that? And if all of our money is in pre-tax dollars, how are we going to handle the taxation of that? Those are all things that you've got to kind of go through the the motions of of taking care of. Here's another big one, a written retirement plan, not just some ideas thrown around, scratched down on on a legal pad or something like that. How about a written retirement plan that you can go back to and refer back to which is what we do every time yeah. we sit down with someone who is a client of GenWealth. We go back to the plan and look at the plan. Where are we relative to the plan? Because the markets can go up and down and sideways and, and spin around, frankly. Mm-hmm. But the plan endures. And you've got to look at it in context of where you are with the plan. Well, and when you think about the plan, John, one of the things that it does that we really greatly appreciate as advisors and our clients over time, as they understand this, appreciate it as well. And that is that it is it is written into the plan that we're, we're prepared for when something like a 2008 hits. Like we're not just projecting, oh, you're going to get, you know, whatever positive rate of return every year. We're looking at what happens when it goes awry in any given year. And the plan is actually built to be prepared for that so that you don't have to panic about now what in retirement. Here's one other thing that I would say. I I think Todd is obviously asking the right question, what should I be doing? But Todd, here's another thing. You and your spouse need to commit the time that's necessary to get this right. It is much more than just a transaction. It's not something that you walk in and get done really, really quickly and boom, we're done. I don't have to think about that again. That's not the case at all. It does take some time to walk through complex questions like income planning, uh, expense planning, estate planning, things that how do you want to leave your money to the next generation? All of those things are in the mix with this type of equation, and you need to take the time to actually do that. Now, it's not like you have to dedicate five weeks of your life to it or anything of that nature. It's probably 
a few hours along the way, maybe over the course of 30 days with a financial advisor, mm-hmm. off and on during a 30-day period of time, a few hours here, a few hours there. Right. But you will come out so much better. I see, Janet, people working their tails off and making really good money, but they actually don't really reach that potential fulfillment of that the work that they've done because they haven't taken the time to really plan how that looks after the work is over. Well, and, and I would say there are a lot of people we've seen over the years who, uh, and this is not necessarily in reference to Todd, but as I think through, you know, what people are thinking at this stage of life, there are many people who are actually ready to retire in terms of having the assets and they don't know it because they've never taken the time to get a plan on paper. And I think the the beauty of knowing where you are in reference to your ability to retire is a big deal. Let me uh, pull out the thing that I love to grab because I think this is really, uh, it, it sets the tone, it sets the context for what Todd or anybody that's approaching retirement needs to do. You can get this document if you text STEPS to 501-381-5228. That's 501-381-5228. Text the word STEPS. It is seven steps to financial independence. It is the ability for you to go through these seven steps and get an agenda, if you will. This is These are the things that we need to be doing. These are the things that we need to be addressing. And if you don't have the expertise in your current financial advisor to actually address these things, mm-hmm. if you get a, a you know a, a cross-eyed look from him or something like that when you when you talk about social security or estate planning, then you probably need to find people that are skilled in these areas because Janet, this is not just accumulating money. This is planning out the rest of your life. Yeah, it is critically important for you to be uh, prepared to do that. All right, we got to hurry here and uh, jump over to uh, Jimmy's question from Clarksville. Let's uh, see what Jimmy has to say. I started investing at age 30, 8% to my 401k with a 4% match and dollar cost averaging my Roth by $500 a month. Should I pull back investing and attack debt more? I'm currently paying $1,500 to $2,000 a month toward a loan with $80,000 left. Now, he doesn't say what type of loan that is. That's a big loan. So might be a vehicle, uh, a, a, a really nice vehicle, or it might be <laughs> the tail end of a, of a mortgage or whatever the case may be. Uh, I think that, uh, number one, uh, Jimmy, we want to tell you to not stop putting money in your 401k because if you stop putting the money in the 401k, you stop getting the match, yeah. and that's free money. Absolutely. We're, we're big, huge fans of free money, as most people are. Um, pausing the Roth contributions is a possibility, but I, I think I would I would begin to think about what type of debt the loan is that you, you have in place. Um, the debt is on track from what you've told us to be paid in roughly four to five years. If you accelerate that, you could pay it off quicker, um, but, but be thinking about, you know, what the money could be worth as far as your investments are concerned. If you were to put $500 a month, you know, at, at age 65, that Roth, you could be at a million dollars at that point because you're, uh, you started investing, you know, as, as early as you did. Yeah. 30 years old so. over, uh, 35 years at that much money per month in a Roth, $500 a month mm-hmm. in a Roth will be about a million dollars. And by the way, that is tax-free money, and that has all kinds of implications for you in a positive aspect when it comes to uh, your retirement time, because under the current law, uh, that 
tax-free income does not impact the taxation on Social Security as all your other income does under current tax law. What what I realized, though, and the reason I was kind of going through that as slowly as I was, is is we don't know his age now. Well, he said he's, uh, and uh, I started he started investing. investing at 30, but we don't know how old he is right that's, now. That's very and true. So, I, I don't know what that would look like if you were to, to make the difference or cho- choose between continuing to contribute to the Roth versus uh, utilizing this to pay off debt. Uh, we do want you to be in a position in retirement, if at all possible, where you are completely debt-free, uh, including the mortgage, but it's not always a possibility. So there's a little bit of a balancing act there to yeah, look at. The, the, if, the, if your cash flow is okay, then I think you could probably rock on just like you are and just pay that debt off on right. time. Or if you have a little bit of extra cash you could throw on the debt, then you can accelerate it. I don't know that I would give up the benefits of the Roth IRA because it is really a great is. Uh, tool to use for retirement. I don't know that I would give those benefits up just to have the luxury of paying that debt off maybe a few months earlier uh, because I don't know how much more that that $500 is really going to impact him on the payoff of that debt. Look at you, like an old pro over there. Uh, Scott taught me. (laughs) All right, that is our final bell, and uh, we will uh, sum up our final thoughts. Janet, start with you. We talked a good bit today about inheritance, um, whether it is, you know, uh, one one of the people who had a question, their dad has passed away, and they're helping their mom through things, and we're looking at, you know, right now how to deal with that, and then in the future also when mom is gone, There were several questions that kind of pointed to what do we do about that generational transition of assets. And I just wanted to give you a heads up that uh, one of the podcasts that you can catch if you'll wherever you get podcasts, if you want to search for Talking Sense, Talking Sense, and it is episode 116. The title of it is Inheritance Basics, and it might give you just some additional information. Teresa Arago is our advisor who handles the Talking Sense podcast, does an extraordinary job on that. And I think it would be worth your time if you want to know some more about inheritance uh, information just for you to check that out. We help people discover, protect, and share true financial independence. That is not a tagline. That is why we exist here at GenWealth Financial Advisors. And we do that in a lot of ways. We do that on this broadcast every week. We do that by offering you workshops like our Conway Estate Planning Workshop coming up on Tuesday, November 7th at 630 at the Max Event Center in Conway. By the way, you can go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash estate planning to register there. We do it by offering you free resources. If you want a retirement checkup, you can go to 15-Minute Retirement. That is the number 15retirement.com and get a quick checkup takes you about 15 minutes to know where you stand on your journey for retirement. That's 15minuteretirement.com, one of the resources from GenWealth Financial Advisors. And that is all the time we've got for the Get Ready for the Future show for this week. Scott Inman will be back next week. I'm not sure which of us will be joining him, but one of us will. And we will see you then again for another journey toward financial independence. 
Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building towards financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.